1: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Devlinia Reporting and I'm Sarah Dowdy. And we're picking back up here again with our discussion of one of our most requested subjects Nikola Tesla. An engineer and an inventor, Tesla is perhaps best known for creating a system for delivering electricity using alternating current, a method that is still used today. And we talked a little bit about the difference between alternating current and direct current and their advantages and disadvantages in part one of this podcast. And Tesla's preferred alternating current was capable of distributing electricity across greater distances than direct current. And he believed that it had the potential to be used for more than just lighting. But he had some trouble getting support, both financial and otherwise, for his ideas, at least at first.
3: Yeah, and so in the last episode, we talked about how he came to America, how he approached Edison armed with a recommendation letter from his old boss, Charles Batchelor. The letter just said, quote, My dear Edison, I know two great men and you are one of them the other is this young man pretty great recommendation. Uh, Even though Edison, who was a firm believer that direct current was not the way to go, shot Tesla down on his alternating current ideas on that front, he must have agreed with Batchelor's assessment to some degree, because he did hire Tesla to work for his power company. When
2: we left off with the story though, Tesla had quit working for Edison after just a few months because of their personal differences and a little disagreement over money. Tesla wanted to strike out on his own at this point and develop his own ideas, but when we saw him last, his first attempt to do so hadn't worked out so well, and he was stuck doing manual labor to survive. So Tesla may have been down in the dumps, but he stuck fast to his ideas about alternating current and kept on trying to get financial backing to make them a reality. And in
3: 1887, he did manage to attract the attention of two investors, Alfred Brown of the Western Union Company and Charles Peck, who was an attorney. But according to that American Heritage article by Bernard Carlson that we mentioned in the last podcast, all Tesla had to show them initially was this really crude version of the motor he had designed back when he was in Europe. And it was basically a shoe polish tin that would spin around in a big donut-shaped corner coil. So Brown and Peck, they come and look at this creation of of Tesla's and they were kind of skeptical of the whole thing. Yeah, so to make
2: believers of them, Tesla devised a little electrical spectacle, which was based on an old legend about Christopher Columbus. So as the story goes, Columbus got Queen Isabella to finance his journey by challenging members of her court to balance an egg on one end. And of course, several people tried and they couldn't do it. So then Columbus stepped up and he made the egg stand up by gently cracking the shell on one end. Queen Isabella was so impressed by his resourceful solution that she gave him the funds that he needed. So Tesla asked Brown and Peck, who knew of this legend, he said, "'If I can make an egg stand on end without cracking the shell, will you support these experiments?' Again, according to Carlson's article, Peck basically said, "Yeah, we might we might help you to some extent. We might help you a little bit if that were to happen." So Tesla came back with a copper-plated egg and his donut coil attached to the underside of a wooden table. When Tesla applied alternating current to that coil, the egg not only stood on end, but it started spinning. Then it flipped up and started rotating on its axis. I mean, it looked like a magic trick. So Better than a shoe polish tin. Right, much better than a shoe polish tin. And Brown and Peck were so impressed that they agreed to back his work.
3: So with their help... Tesla was able to set up a laboratory in Lower Manhattan and perfect all the components of his alternating current system. And that same year, he built a prototype for his polyphase induction motor. And the problem with alternating current systems before this had been that there wasn't really a workable motor that alternating current could power. So Tesla's motor solved that issue, at least. And then again, with the help of Peck and Brown, in late 1887, he was able to secure seven more patents for a complete alternating current system based on this induction motor, including patents for generators, transformers, transmission lines, and lighting. So he had the whole set finally.
2: There was still that little detail of getting these breakthrough ideas introduced commercially, though. I mean, you have the technology, great, you have the patents, that's great, but how are you going to actually make money off of it? So that process started to take off the next year after Tesla demonstrated his alternating current motor at the meeting of the American Institute of Electrical Engineers, and that demonstration caught the eye of George Westinghouse. Westinghouse's company, which was based in Pittsburgh, had successfully developed some safety components for rail transportation, including the air brake. And by 1888 or so, he'd become interested in getting in on the electricity transmission game. According to the article by Ronald Bailey in American History, which we referenced in the last podcast, Westinghouse had already set up a limited alternating current system – but it was confined to downtown Buffalo, New York, and he was attracted to that potential of Tesla's system to distribute power over longer distances.
3: So Westinghouse made a move. He offered to buy Tesla's patents, and again, Peck and Brown helped Tesla negotiate this deal. And the deal is slightly different depending on what source you look at, but it basically amounted to Westinghouse paying about sixty thousand to seventy thousand dollars and anywhere from five thousand to twenty thousand dollars of that was paid in cash. He also agreed to pay Tesla $2.50 in royalties for each horsepower of developed electrical capacity. So according to Bailey's article, Westinghouse also agreed to a minimum of 30000 in royalties to be paid over the next three years. And according to PBS.org, Tesla got 150 shares of Westinghouse stock in the deal. So there was a lot... Covering, um, I don't know, depending on how successful the implementation of the ideas was how much Tesla would benefit from that. When the deal was
2: done, Tesla went off to work as a Westinghouse consultant and helped develop the alternating current system for commercial use. So not only did he get some money out of the deal and potential for more money, but he also got to still work with his invention. Westinghouse engineers, though, just as an aside, a little side note here, they didn't really love working with Tesla, though. He, he didn't make real blueprints. He just had these sketches that he made in a tiny notebook, and they were really hard to follow. And uh Tesla himself said, well, I can just give you the measurements and they will be exactly what you need to build this. But as you might imagine, these engineers didn't enjoy working way. that way. Yeah, I mean, uh interestingly also, Tesla had always said that he just created this induction motor from, like, as he had envisioned it in Europe before he came to America – Is exactly how he built it. Like, he didn't develop it. You might imagine this going through, like, many Mm -hmm. revisions and many changes, but... like a prototype or something. Yes, exactly. But he said that he just made it, as soon as he saw it in his mind, he knew that that was it. So, like,
3: composers who say that they just heard it in their head and wrote it down.
2: Exactly. He claimed that exactly as he saw it is how he built it, and it was meant to work. But these engineers, they also disagreed with Tesla over what the motor's frequency should be, but Tesla won out with the 60 cycles per second. So Tesla had the final say in that regard. But this was where the full-on current war really started to take off, and it was a battle between Westinghouse's alternating current and Edison's direct current. And what was really at stake here was whose system was going to become the standard and fuel the development
1: of electricity in the future. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks.
4: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year Edison, though,
3: of course, had a bit of an edge going in, since he already had about 125 power stations in operation compared to Westinghouse's 98 stations. But as we've mentioned a few times, Tesla's alternating current system showed more promise for carrying electricity over long distances, whereas Edison's direct current had a range of only about a mile. So it seemed like it was going to have more limited applications. Also, alternating current was a lot cheaper because direct current required the use of these expensive of copper wires. And alternating current systems used copper as well, but only about a third of the amount that direct current used. So it looked like
2: Westinghouse and alternating current might provide some serious competition for Edison. And Edison stepped up his game at that point by starting a propaganda campaign against alternating current. He focused in this campaign on his own belief that alternating current was unsafe. So he started to spread around the idea that alternating current and its high voltages could actually kill you. The most direct current could do, he said, was just give you a little shock. Edison even hired a professor named Harold Brown to go around and lecture on the dangers of alternating current. And these talks included things like public electrocution of animals, including dogs, cats, horses, and cows. Edison even had an elephant named Topsy electrocuted once to prove his point.
3: We've had a a tragic run for elephants on the podcast Yeah, between this and P.T. Barnum. Yeah. (laughs) But Edison made his biggest point August 6, 1890, when Brown helped New York's Auburn State Prison perform the first execution by electric chair. And according to PBS, Brown had obtained Westinghouse technology illegally to build the chair. I mean, you can imagine Westinghouse would not have wanted his work associated with that. Uh, The man who was executed was the convicted murderer, William Kemmler. His death was described as, quote, an awful spectacle, worse than hanging. And thereafter, electrocution was known as Westinghousing, so really bad PR for alternating current.
2: Yeah, despite these negative associations, though, Team Westinghouse and Tesla started to come up with some wins. They were picked to illuminate the 1893 Chicago World's Fair, for example, which was also, of course, known as the Columbian Exposition. Something
3: we discussed a little in the H.H. Holmes podcast.
2: Indeed. And if, if you pick up Eric Larson's book, Devil in the White City, you'll learn a little bit more about kind of some of the things we're about to talk about but this was the first all-electric World's Fair in history. And Westinghouse's bid ended up winning out here just because it was so much cheaper. It was about half as much as the competition. And in Bailey's article, he talks about how the fair became this grand showcase for alternating current and electricity in general. So it turned out to be a really good win for them. And Tesla's system lit up something like 180,000 bulbs, and it was used to power a lot of exhibits, and there was even a great hall of electricity where his system was displayed, and Tesla was even on display to some degree. He did a demonstration in which he uh, sent 200,000 volts through his body while wearing cork-soled shoes for protection, so don't get too worried. But he sent these volts through his body to prove basically that alternating current was indeed safe.
3: And I can see how that would be more compelling combined with this glowing white city, too, than seeing an elephant electrocuted or somebody put in an electric chair, somebody surviving this and demonstrating it really is okay if it's handled properly.
2: Yeah, if you're willing to do it on yourself, then you (laughs) must have some faith in it. But after the fair, according to PBS, quote, 80% of all the electrical devices ordered in the United States were for alternating current.
3: And this, of course, set the stage for another big win in the current war, which was a contract with the Niagara Falls Commission. And the commission wanted the Westinghouse company to use alternating current to harness the power of the falls to generate electricity. And this was the realization of a long time dream for Tesla. As we mentioned in part one, he had started dreaming about converting the power of water to electricity when he was only about five years old. And he had specifically thought of about Niagara Falls at some point. And it did take several years to get the project completed, which was a situation that made investors pretty nervous. But on the night of November 16, 1896, they flipped a switch and by midnight, the Niagara systems were providing power to the city of Buffalo, which was 26 miles away.
2: The Buffalo Enquirer wrote, quote, it was the journey of God's own lightning to the employ of man. In a few years, there were 10 enormous generators at Niagara Falls. And according to Bailey's article, 20% of all the electricity in the United States came from there, including all the power that lit up New York City and Broadway and all of that. And even the Edison systems converted to alternating current after that.
3: So with that about face on Edison's part, it seemed that Tesla and Westinghouse had won the war of the currents. But the inventor had made some significant sacrifices along the way too, though. And during the financial panic of the 1890s, Westinghouse and Edison's company were both in trouble. And on top of this, seeing the money-making potential of hydrogen electric power, some Wall Street forces like J.P. Morgan, he's been popping up in podcasts lately, tried to take over Westinghouse. So Westinghouse, the man, asked Tesla to release him from the initial contract that gave Tesla those generous royalties. And Tesla generously agreed to give up future royalties and supposedly even tore up the contract. Um, You might wonder, considering the problems he had had making money off of his work earlier, uh, why he would do that. But according to PBS, he was very grateful to this one man who had believed in his invention, and this was his way of showing how grateful he was. He
2: also just probably wanted them to keep going, I would imagine, Mm -hmm. instead of going under. This saved the Westinghouse Electric Company while Edison's own company was taken over by General Electric. Tesla though had trouble with finances for pretty much the rest of his life. So it, it it's he sort could of, have used the royalties. Yeah, it's sort of poignant thinking about those royalties gone away and and how much money he could have made down the line, but it wasn't for lack of trying, though. Tesla did keep on experimenting and he was convinced that there were more amazing inventions on the horizon. And so we want to talk about some of the other things that he did, even while the so-called current war was going on. Of course, we can't cover everything. There are just so many inventions and patents to, to cover and so many ideas to cover that, you know, maybe didn't get patents or didn't um, immediately inspire inventions. But we're just going to go over a few of those. He'd invented what we now know as the Tesla coil in 1891, and this basically allowed him to take the ordinary 60-cycle-per-second household current and kind of kick it up a few notches into the hundreds of thousands of cycles per second, so maybe more than a few notches. (laughs) So this let him experiment with high-frequency electricity, which was a big interest of his for a while.
3: And that, in turn, allowed him to create the first neon lights and the first fluorescent lights, and he also took the first X-ray. photographs. Another obsession of his, which really stuck with him to the end, was the wireless transmission of energy. And he discovered in the early 1890s that he could use his Tesla coils to send and receive radio signals. But a lab fire in 1895 destroyed his work before he could truly test this. And that was just the little bit of delay that really messed him up here.
2: Yes, Tesla did end up filing for radio patents in 1897, but by this time, he had a competitor across the pond, Guglielmo Marconi. Marconi had been granted a wireless communication patent in England in 1896, and he tried to file for a patent in America in 1900, but it was turned down at that point because of Tesla's existing patent. But in late 1901, Marconi became the first to transmit and receive signals across the Atlantic Ocean.
3: Tesla did take that turn pretty well. Um, Otis Pond, who was an engineer working for Tesla at the time, said to him, quote, looks as if Marconi got the jump on you. To which Tesla replied, quote, Marconi is a good fellow. Let him continue. He is using 17 of my patents.
2: No one could accuse him of lack of confidence.
3: (laughs) But he was singing a different tune in 1904 when,
2: inexplicably, the U.S. Patent Office changed its mind and gave Marconi the patent for inventing the radio. Marconi also ended up winning the Nobel Prize in 1909. And Tesla was really unhappy about this. I mean, he was angry. But he didn't have the cash to get involved in a patent infringement case. He wanted to. He wanted to sue. But then he was like, I don't really have the ability to carry this out. Tesla continued to experiment with the wireless transmission of energy, and in 1898, he made a demonstration of the world's first radio-controlled vessel at an electrical exhibition in Madison Square Garden. It was basically a toy boat that was manipulated by remote
3: control. Yeah, and as a side note here, many people think of this as the birth of robotics. Tesla hoped that it would eventually lighten the workload of humans. I mean, it was a toy boat for now, but it could be something more in the future. So in the late 1890s, Tesla also began to experiment with the transmission of electrical power without wires. And in order to conduct these experiments, he went out to Colorado Springs for a while and set up a lab there, and he created man-made lightning to test his ideas while he was there. The first experiment was successful in a way, but also fairly disastrous. He did create man-made lightning, but it burned out the dynamo at the El Paso Electric Company, and the entire city lost power. (laughs) Tesla was made to pay for the damage of of causing this outage.
1: Yeah,
2: the the head of the power station wasn't very happy with him at that point, but it was in Colorado that Tesla also noticed a signal being picked up on his transmitter that he later said was a signal from outer space, or he believed it to be a signal from outer space. According to PBS.org, it's quite possible that he was the first to actually detect radio signals from space, but people just dismissed this. They just thought that he was crazy suggesting these things. But ultimately, this time in Colorado, it's it's really interesting. It could probably be you know a separate episode or a blog post or something, but... It's uh, very shrouded in mystery. A lot of people still really don't have a handle on exactly everything he was working on there. It just reminds me a lot of um, his role in that movie, The Prestige. um, I think he might have been in Colorado at the time in that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but uh, with just sort of the experiments that were going on there and uh, the mystery surrounding that as well. So we could go on and on, like I said, about Tesla's ideas and patents and inventions. He continued to come up with ambitious concepts for pretty much the rest of his life, though not much that really inspired immediate practical applications. During his lifetime, he experimented with a new type of turbine engine, for example. And at age 78, he announced that he was working on a death ray that could send a concentrated beam of particles through the air and bring down up to 10,000 enemy planes. And this was intended by him to help prevent war, which he really hated.
3: I think that could be the title of an article on his later career, too. Toy boats to death rays, <laughs> Tesla's later life. So his ideas definitely had taken on a kind of mad side. Science- scientist-type edge as he aged especially. But Tesla was really known almost as much for his eccentricities as he was for his inventions as the years went on. And he did have friends. He had friends like Mark Twain, for instance, but he never married, even though he was linked to several heiresses at various times. And He said, quote, I do not believe an inventor should marry because he has so intense a nature with so much of it of wild, passionate quality that in giving himself to a woman he might love, he would give everything and so take everything from his chosen field.
2: So he was really in love with his work, I guess, is what he was trying to say in part there. But according to Bailey, he had a lot of phobias that probably prevented him from having a relationship as well. So it wasn't just that he wanted to give all of his intention and focus to his work. There were some p- personal issues that he had that maybe kept him from connecting with people. For example, one of his phobias was, uh, throughout his lifetime, he sort of was a germaphobe. But he also didn't like to touch people's hair, specifically. He didn't like the sight of smooth, round surfaces, which gave him an aversion to women's earrings. He couldn't stand to see peaches, the fruit. He also had quote, strange numerical fixation. So, for example, the number of his hotel room always had to be divisible by three.
3: And strangely enough, Tesla did end up living in a hotel, the Hotel New Yorker, at the end of his life. And he didn't have that much money at that point. And by then, some of his closest companions were pigeons who were hanging out around the hotel. He would actually take sick birds to his room and nurse them back to health. He even had the hotel make a special mixture of food for them. And he clearly became very attached to these pets. So when one of Tesla's favorite pigeons died, he told a newspaper writer, John O'Neill, quote, I loved that pigeon. Yes, I loved her as a man loves a woman. When that pigeon died, something went out of my life. Up to that time, I knew a certainty that I would complete my work. But when that something went out of my life, I knew my life's work was finished.
2: Tesla died January 7th, 1943. He'd gotten his last patent in 1928 at the age of 72. And it was for a, quote, apparatus for aerial transportation, which is said to have inspired today's vertical short takeoff and landing plane. But he never had the money to actually build a prototype of this. He never won the Nobel Prize, though there were rumors that he and Edison might share it in 1915, which he was kind of unhappy about. They didn't, neither of them really wanted to share it with each other, considering their relationship or lack thereof. But Tesla did, ironically, win the Edison Medal in (laughs) 1917, which was the highest honor of the American Institute of Electrical Engineers, according to Encyclopedia Britannica. He almost didn't accept this award though because of the name, because of the Edison Association. He said this would basically be something that was honoring Slapping Edison. Face. Yeah. <laughs> Not honoring me. So he sat outside where the award ceremony was being held, feeding the pigeons for a little while and had to be convinced to
3: come inside, which he finally did come inside and accept the did award. Accept it. So Who really won the war between Tesla and Edison? You know, you have Tesla winning the Edison Award, but it's called the Edison Award. I mean, that really illustrates that point. And people still debate who won out in the end. Some say Tesla because we still use the AC system today. I mean, that system clearly won. Others, though, say Edison because he did have more patents. He made more money. And let's face it, he just became more famous. Tesla has... A lot of people who are clearly very devoted to his memory, we can tell that by the number of people who've suggested him, but I would say Thomas Edison is probably still the more famous name. Yeah,
2: definitely. I think more school students learn about Edison growing up than Tesla in their classrooms. Even though
3: Tesla's the one in our recording studio. That
2: is true. He's on our wall. Interesting side note here, too. In 1943, just a few months after Tesla's death, The U.S. Supreme Court upheld Tesla's radio patent over Marconi's. According to PBS.org, the court had a selfish reason for doing this, though. The Marconi company was suing the U.S. government for use of its patents in World War I. And so to just kind of make that problem go away, they restored the priority of Tesla's patent over Marconi's. So a slight win for Tesla in the end, regardless of the reasons, but um, still kind of a sad end to a very interesting and inventive life.
3: Complex
1: guy. Yeah. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin.
4: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Okay, let's see what we have for listener mail today.
2: So there's so much more that we could say about Tesla, but we really did want to focus on the current war here again. um, If anyone has any favorite Tesla stories or inventions or patents that we didn't mention that you want to share with us and and maybe the other listeners of Steffi Mason History Class, you can feel free to Write to us. We're at HistoryPodcast at Discovery.com. And you can also look us up on Facebook and we're on Twitter at Missing history.
3: Before we find off, though, we wanted to include a little real mail, listener mail that we got. Um, some of you might remember we've been getting postcards from Hillary from her European adventures. And actually one from Monticello, too, from a stop in the States. But um, she sent, she must be in Germany right now because she sent us several several postcards from there, Munich and Baden-Baden. And um, I love this postcard of the market in uh, Munich. It just looks so good. It's got, like, jams and fresh vegetables. And it makes me feel like um, going out and enjoying our local bounty this weekend or something. Maybe I'll stop by. Oh, yeah. Tis the season. Tis the season.
2: Well, thank you, Hillary, for sending us those. And like I said, if you want to, I already gave you guys all our... Contact info, you, but you know how to reach us. you know how to reach us. <laughs> if you have some cool postcards like that, we love to get them, and we do decorate our cubes with them and um, look longingly. And sometimes at them. put
3: them on our social media accounts too, so you guys can see them. Very true.
2: So definitely send us those if you have them. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about some of the ideas we talked about in today's podcast, we have an article called How Did Nikola Tesla Change the Way We Use Energy on our website? And you can look that up by visiting our homepage at www.howstuffworks.com.
3: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
1: year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer.
4: What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design?